Welcome to the Your Confident Self Podcast with Allegra Sinclair. Get ready to punch fear in the throat and gain confidence like never before. I help corporate women get the confidence to ask for the job they want and do the work they love. Isn't it time you got unstuck and showed the world how fabulous you are? Hey, welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. Today, I am speaking with someone who I have known for years and who I knew within five minutes of meeting her, I wanted to have her on my show. It's just taken us a minute (laughs) for the stars to align (laughs) so that that could happen. But about five years ago, I did my first of several big chops with my hair. My thyroid had lost its mind and it was no longer holding perms. And I said, okay, hair, how about I listen to you instead of trying to perm it every three weeks when it disappears? So I went to an event in downtown Durham at a natural hair place. And it was just one of those divine appointments because they were doing a demo of a product called Coco Curls. So my mom and my sister and I cruised down there to find out more about natural hair. And we thought, okay, we'd go in here, we'd, you know, listen to like a really brief bio of the founder of the company, and then we'd buy some stuff and leave. But that is not what happened at all. (laughs) What happened was a magical hour and a half of shared wisdom and stories. It was like a party. It was like we knew you immediately. My mom fell in love. She's like, I don't even have natural hair, but whatever she got, we're getting it. (laughs) It was just, it was so much fun. And I have remembered this woman ever since that moment. We became a fan of those products. Then she's going to tell us a little bit about the evolution and what the product is like now. But I knew from the stories that she was telling about her life and growing up and tapping into her confidence, I was like, "Woo! my audience needs to hear from her. So today, now is it coming back to you? It is. Uh (laughs) So my guest today is Janelle Darden. And she is the founder, magician, empress of Moisture Love hair products. But before that, she's a trained engineer out of Georgia Tech, (laughs) right? So she went from being this engineer to creating a brand so that women experience a higher love for their hair with products that infuse hydration into every strand so they can experience true moisture that lasts. Doesn't that just sound like all sorts of self-care and love as I describe it. So please help me welcome Janelle Darden. Hey, Janelle. Hey, Allegra. That was such a fabulous, heartwarming introduction. Well, I am so excited that you are here because I honestly have thought since that moment in Harrison, isn't that what the place was called? Harrison. Yes. 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 Since we met downtown and they're in a different location now, but since we met there and I was like, Oh, I want to hear more from her. (laughs) Oh man. I'm glad. Tell us a little bit about starting your hair care company, kind of where that impetus came from and how you went from Coco curls, which is what I knew first to moisture love. Yeah, so the evolution has pretty much been a a lifelong journey. Um, my mom was a cosmetologist, and at nine, you know, everyday children learn how to clean bathrooms and vacuum and sweep, but I learned how to do hair, and it then became my job to do my hair, my mom's hair, 
my sister's hair every Saturday because we had to walk into church looking a certain way. My father's a minister and we couldn't walk in looking busted. So it became my <laughs> four to make sure everybody was snatched together. I'm the oldest of four and my mom ran a very efficient, oper- operationally efficient house. So that's where I first was introduced to hair. And I thought it was just the most awful thing in the world. And I hated it. But somewhere in between that process, I learned to love it and I learned to enjoy the process and to see how it came out and how I could do this and it will make it do that. And I didn't know that was one of my first lessons in life that, you know, God is preparing me for what I need before I even know I need it. Um, Because in high school, I was a cheerleader. I was in the band. I ran track. Um, But I wanted to have my own money. And I started doing hair on the side. That was my side hustle. That was my my income. And um, so much so that I thought that I could just do whatever to hair. And my mom gave me a relaxer, went to Jamaica with my dad for something, a family trip or something like that, left us home. And I had the bright idea to color my hair. Ooh. And it was not even barely two weeks. And I had long hair, but it was very thin. And so it broke off. And so for three years into my tenure at Georgia Tech, I was holding on to this broken hair because I struggled with feeling beautiful because I was dark skinned and all my siblings were light skinned. And I felt like my hair is what made me beautiful. Um, And so when it was broken, it was the first kind of like crack in my identity. And so at um, the three-year mark of just kind of dealing with this damaged hair, I kind of had this come to Jesus, I am not my hair, let's get over ourselves moment and decided to go natural. And I transitioned for six months. And at the time, while I was transitioning, I read, I was taking an African-American entrepreneurship class, um, read Madam C.J. Walker's book. And I felt so inspired by the fact that she could do it in the early 1900s. So I said, surely if she can do it, then I can too. And I decided to embark on making products. Wasn't a chemistry major, actually didn't even like chemistry. Chemistry was the first class I had a seat in in life and was devastated. And I said that (laughs) once I finished chemistry, I was never going to touch chemistry again. So that's when I started learning to not make promises that I can't keep. (laughs) <laughs> well you didn't you didn't know when you were making it that you wouldn't be able to keep it yeah, give yourself a little grace yeah but what i did say is i ain't gonna test god because what i if i say i ain't gonna ever do something he gonna find me right back to it <laughs> so that's when i decided to start launching products and that was around 2007 it took me about four years to get the confidence to do it and in 2011 after we had gotten married got pregnant a lot sooner than we wanted to, had to work a job because we we didn't have the income set aside as we wished we had. Um, and I had to drop my oldest daughter off at daycare. And the, the turning moment was when she started crying when we dropped her off, like the, like the lady does in a scary movie and like falling out and crying. And then she gets dragged off by the villain. That's what my daughter was like. oh, no. every time we dropped her off. And I had a major internal struggle about that because I was working for a family-owned company, working for a family-owned business, and they would have their children and grandchildren come in and take classes to prepare to take over the company. And I started feeling disdain in my heart 
that we didn't have that. My parents didn't have it to give it to us. His parents didn't have it to give it to us. And meanwhile, my child is being dropped off while I'm building their children's trust funds and paying for their Lamborghinis and whatever else. Mm-hmm. So that hit me so hard in the gut. Um, and although I love the company and I love the job, but I just couldn't take what she was going through. And I quit. Um over a course of a weekend and I launched my business within a matter of a month and that's Coco Pearls. That's the brand that you know. That I knew. I know the new one. Yes, Yes, that was the brand that I knew. Wow, there was so much yummy stuff in there. I just want to go back and like take each little individual piece and make a sandwich out of it. But (laughs) several things that I wanted to touch on Oh, because there was so much. It was just so deep, subterranean. But the part about you going through several years um, dealing with damaged hair because you thought your hair was a beauty. Girl, that just hit me in my very soul because if you had cut it or stopped working against it at any point in that three years, it would have changed your life. Yeah. Right. So I think it's such an, um, a metaphor for us holding on to things in life that we know we should let go of. It's hurting us. It's unhealthy. It's we're just done with it. Sometimes we just outgrow stuff. But the fact that you went through three years of fighting with and struggling to hold on to damaged hair, right? Because that's an easy thing, right? To talk about a damaged hair because you thought your hair was beauty is so compelling. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, who you pulling that piece out of my stories reminding me of things that I'm going through now. Like, man, let it go. <laughs> let it go. Mm-hmm. Because when something is, when we're done with something, we keep trying to bring it back to life. Yes. Right. And sometimes we just need to be done. And it's very easy to see that I am just like I have goosebumps hearing that story about hair because yeah. I think of other things, not necessarily hair. But yeah, when I th- first said to myself, okay, my thyroid's acting crazy. Because in between, my hairdresser, who I'd seen for years, and she is a whiz with all types of hair. So this wasn't shade at my hairdresser. But I would see her every Thursday at seven. Mm-hmm. And then I would see her at church on Sunday. And she'd be like, um, let me talk to you for a minute. And I'm like, nope. <laughs> this is not on me. This is what my hair does. But she was like, no, because I had a curl forever, right? So I did come from a place of hair neglect, right? I had a curl, then I had braids. So I'm not great at hair, but this was not me. Mm-hmm. So one time I went there on Thursday and then I went back to her place Friday morning at seven so she could see what was happening. Because all I did was, you know, go to my work day and then go to bed and came back the next day and she touched my head and she's like, okay, something else is going on here. And I was like, see, you've been talking so badly about me. But once I realized that um, my hair wouldn't hold a perm anymore, there was all this damaged hair on my head. Mm. But there were conversations I had with women in my family about like not cutting hair. So my mom had stories when she was young, right? She grew up in the South and there was the paper bag test. So Mm -hmm. she had some feelings of not being as desirable because her sisters might have been lighter skinned. Mm -hmm. Girl, that's a whole podcast in and of itself. But the other thing for her was, you don't cut your hair, right? You need to have hair. 
And my father's Jamaican. So he was always down with the short natural. Yes. Hello. That's what he was accustomed to. So there was always this tension about here. But when my hair was damaged and my thyroid said, we're winning this war, let it go. I said, okay, we're doing the big chop. And my hairdresser's like, what? I was like, cut it off. She's like, wait, cut all your hair. And I was like, yeah, honey, what part are you not getting cut it? It'll grow back. She had not been through that with me before. She'd see me with my wild, like Angela Davis, long fro. And I was like, girl, it's just not that deep to me. Chop it. She wouldn't cut it. So I went to another hairdresser. And I did the big chop. Girl, I was happy as a pig in mud, but so many people around me didn't know what to do. It was like they didn't know me without hair. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Did you go through that as well? I went through. um, So when I I transitioned for six months and when I did decide to cut it, um, when at the natural phase, I came home because I was in school at Georgia Tech and I went home to Augusta and I asked my mom to cut it. And she looked at me sideways because she knew the Janelle that didn't even want to get a trim. Mm-hmm. And she knew the Janelle that when it was time for a trim, I was like, you can cut a quarter of an eighth of an inch at best. Don't go <laughs> further than that. But she thought I had lost my mind or I was going to have a little meltdown. I don't know. She was very trepidatious to do it, but I insisted. Now, I did cry <laughs> once that hair was cut. And I did save that hair in a bag, like in a little Ziploc bag with all my hair supplies for months. Oh, <laughs> what were you planning to do with it? I don't know, Allegra. I just felt like I needed it nearby, okay? I don't know what my plans were, but I just couldn't talk it, all right? And save, you know how you have the little cubbies with all your hair supplies? You're saving the cubbies. Okay. Um, but I didn't have... I didn't have personal people saying things about my hair being cut. I had random outsiders once I did cut it because I wore a short fro um, once I cut it. And it was like, oh, no, you're not going to get man like that. You can't roll up in a job like that. Because I cut, I did my big chop. I had my last perm, the Christmas of 05. I did my big chop in 2006. So natural hair was not quite popular yet. It was Yes. It was coming, but it was not popular yet. And so people were looking at me sideways, like, what you doing with this little short, curly situation? <laughs> um, and had all kinds of comments. It wasn't so much family, it was just, just random. And But I absorbed that from the randoms as well. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think back now, and I just did another big chop. So um, I think this is either the third or fourth one that I have done. But this past March, I was actually gearing up to go to Arizona. This was obviously right before the pandemic changed all of all of our lives. But I was planning to fly to Arizona for my sister's wedding. And I have carpal tunnel really bad in both arms. And I really hadn't been taking great care of my hair. So I was going to the hairdresser to um, get it deep conditioned and getting into shape like two weeks before the wedding. And then I was going to go back like the night before I flew for her to do it for the wedding itself. Mm-hmm. And as I was getting ready to go in there, I was like, you know what? Let's just take it all off again. And this is the first time I'm seeing this new hairdresser. She didn't argue with me, right? It's a different time. In March of 2020, she didn't argue. She didn't say, oh, for sure. 
I was just like, hey, let's take it down. She's like, all right. She took it down. <laughs> and my girlfriend who drove me out there was like, girl, look at all that hair on the floor. I was like, no, I'm done with it. <laughs> right. It's gone. Let it go. I did, I did think for just a moment, wow, should I have donated to that one of those places where they like make wigs? And I was like, no, why would I donate my damaged? I had been ignoring it for six months hair to some other poor soul. So yes, it was a very different time. Yeah. In 2020 versus when you did it in 2006. Yeah. But um, tell me a little bit about how you got to a place where you realized you were beautiful. Ooh. Because you started off saying, I didn't think I was pretty because I was dark skinned. And I thought my hair was my beauty. And then you took the hair. So, uh, yeah. Where'd that come from? Oh, um you know, we're having a whole therapy session today. <laughs> this is ahead. how I do. Yeah, let's just go ahead and get in it. Um, I honestly don't remember the moment that was the turning point because it's been a journey. Um, it has not been like a sprint. It wasn't like, oh, we crossed the line. Um, even yesterday, I made a post because um, I had I had. I've been, you know, for real quarantining, like, you know, workout pants, T-shirts, pajamas, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I put some clothes on to do a video and I walked by. I was like, oh, she cute. Talk about my own self. It was like, oh, it's like it catches me off guard still. And so when I made the post and I made a post and I was trepidatious to even say in the post to call my own self cute in my own Instagram post. But I was like, girl, if you don't just put that out there and let that go. So I I know that I'm cute now. Um, but I am still journeying in the process of being fully involved and vibrant and, and worshiping of that fact, um, because it's, it's a process and has been a process for me. Are there two things that you think were helpful at taking you from where you were to where you are now on the journey, as far as restoring your confidence in your appearance? Yeah, I think the the first thing for sure was eliminating the thing that I felt like was the thing that um, made me beautiful. And I feel like by eliminating that, it made me find other things about myself that I loved or other things about myself that I thought were great or amazing. Um, so that was definitely one. Two, there was a period of time where I felt like um, I was just walking with God. Like we would just be walking and talking. He was my homeboy. I'd be walking down the street, be like, what's up, God? What's happening? What's going on? You know, like we just had such a very close relationship. Um, and I feel like through that period, he allowed me to see and he revealed to me who I was. Um, and I feel like it's a continuous revealing of who I was. So those are the two main things that I can pinpoint that helped me get over that hump. Ooh, those would both be on a t-shirt. That was really good. That was really good stuff. So the first thing was that you stopped relying on the one thing that you thought was it. So for you, that was hair, right? So removing that from the equation forced you to look around and see what else am I bringing to the party? Correct. Ooh, that's kind of good, right? That's not the only thing I had going on. And the second thing, I loved how you said that, that walking with God, he revealed to you who you are. That is so delicious right there. Um, Because I think when we first met, which was at least 
six, it might've been seven years ago. It has to have been that long because my mom has now been gone almost five years. So it's been a long time since we saw you first. But I remember us on the way home from there. My mom was like, oh, she's so beautiful. And I was like, I know skin looks, she just looks fake. Her skin is so, so I'm thinking we like in the first thing, now granted it was at a hair place and it was all about appearance. But one of the first things we talked about was how gorgeous we thought you were. So it's funny to me still to hear that you're thinking, yeah, this is a journey I'm still on. But so often our magic, we don't see it. Yeah. So I'm grateful always for other people who will stop and take the time to let me know that they have noticed my magic. Mm, Right. So for you, you turned inward and you were like, hey, God is my homeboy. We were walking and talking and he was showing me who I really am. That is such a gift and is available to everyone. I just wish that there had been other people in your universe who had also been able to support that for you as well. Well, to be fair, all my people have always supported me. My father has always told me how beautiful it was, like all the days of my life. Um, he has told me how beautiful he thought chocolate women were and dark skinned women were and why he was so attracted to my mom. Um, my mom told me how beautiful I was sibling, not my siblings, but like uncles and aunts and family members and random strangers. I've always heard that my husband has always told me how beautiful I was, but they weren't the turning point for me. Um, and it all almost felt like, well, as dad, you're supposed to say this because you're my dad. Mom, you're supposed to make me feel good. Um, aunts and uncles, you know, you love me, so you want me to feel good. I always was able to justify why someone else was saying it versus actually just absorbing and believing it. But it wasn't until I could absorb and believe it for myself that I realized when other people were saying it is because it's genuinely what they saw. Mm-hmm. Mm. Ooh, that's good too. <laughs> so I love that, that there was a whole community of people mm-hmm. um, who were surrounding you and pouring into you that they thought you're beautiful. And it's funny because we do want to discount that stuff, right? Yeah. Oh, well, they had to say that because they're my uncle. No, no, they don't. Because there are people listening to us right now whose uncle didn't tell them that or whose father didn't tell them that or whose mother didn't hold space for them to believe that they were beautiful until they could believe it for themselves. So i um, very grateful that you did have that community of people who were willing to see until you could see. Correct. So let me do my little bitty mini commercial about my hair. So I did another big job, right? But um, I had been using moisture love products like forever, ever, 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 ever. Um, Since I've discovered Cocoa Curls, right? As a people, we are very brand loyal, right? I know for like cosmetics, some people like dip and dab, not me. My family, we are brand loyal. So um, I have been using moisture love for like a really long time, but I'm, it's hitting me differently in this year when I'm not getting out to the hairdresser, right? Mm -hmm. So Uh, when was it? Juneteenth. Um, I had been talking with a girlfriend of mine before that because she was getting a media opportunity and they were coming to the farm that she and her husband have. And she's like, oh, and I'm looking like Frederick Douglass's sister. What am I going to do with my hair? I hollered. We were on Voxer every day and she was telling me how toe up she thought she was looking and she's like, I'm going to send you a picture. She never sent it. I didn't press her. I love her. I have known her since we were freshmen in college and she is my sister, but I knew she was not feeling confident at all. Our hair 
our hair is so important for our overall confidence, right? It is. So she was telling me how she was looking like Frederick Douglass' sister. She wasn't feeling powerful. And it wasn't something we had been talking about. So like, what have you been doing with your hair? So then she's like, oh, I'm just using like, you know, Dove shampoo. Oh, Don't at me, Dove people. (laughs) Don't at me. Um, My African-American sister, she's from Trinidad. No, she should not have been messing with anybody's Dove. I was like, Dove shampoo? She's like, well, you know, I was like, girl, if you tell me you're buying your hair products at Sam's, we're going to fight right over a boxer. We're going to fight. So I was telling her, it is critically important for you to use the right products for your hair. I was like, you have biracial children. Maybe they can use the Dove shampoo, but I bet their hair would be happy if they did it. So why don't y'all take the Dove shampoo and give that to your husband? Hey, Mark, love him. But what I'm saying is give the products to your husband and we're going to talk about something that's made for you. She totally poo-pooed me. She doesn't usually do this. She recognizes my magic often, just like I recognize her. In this instance, she poo-pooed me. And I was like, oh, okay. So now it's a challenge. So a week or so after that conversation, the event happened. She never did send me a picture. I don't know what her hair was looking like. I know she did the best she could. Sometimes we just need to give each other grace. Mm -hmm. However, a week or so after that, I got an email from you. And it was about a sale that was going on. I flew to my phone, to my computer. I hit her up in every channel I had available to me <laughs> and said, okay, you didn't believe me. So here's what we're going to do. You're going to go click here and you're going to buy this. And if you don't feel delighted afterwards, I'm going to buy it from you. So you're going to go here right now. Don't pass go. Don't collect $200. Get thee to this link and buy these products. Get these. <laughs> Get me to this link. So she did. And I was stunned. And like the week before we had been talking about skincare, right? So she had gotten some more um, Mary Kay in, you know, with some moisturizer stuff. Cause I'm like, girl, I used a dove on your face too. I blame myself. I haven't spent enough time with you. <laughs> so she bought the hair stuff and then she was blowing my phone up. She's like, wait, they have a deal. Should I buy two? <laughs> I was like, wait, you went from pimping me regularly to now trying to double up. So you can double up if you want to, but I'm telling you, I'm going to buy the one from you if you don't love it. So she's like, okay, I'll just start with the one just to make sure I'll use it. I'll say, okay, fine. When I tell you, she emails me or voxes me or texts me or, you know, old school calls me on the phone, which people really don't do now unless it's an emergency, but she will use all of her communication tools as well to tell me about her hair. It has transformed her life. She told me, her husband told her he loved her even when her hair looked cray, but he likes her a whole lot more now. And he's always touching it and he loves the smell. And she's sending me pictures of the styles and she just got that styling guide thing. I guess it's videos or something. I'm telling you, she is a convert and I could not be happier. I just wanted to buy her products anyway, just because of the transformation it brought about in her life. It is that good. But here's the thing, because the products are everything. Mm-hmm. Everything. Yeah. Everything. I, for somebody who doesn't like science, girl, somebody around you put their entire foot in the chemistry because it is everything. But even beyond that is the transformation, the change in her. She shows up bolder. She shows up louder. She shows up unapologetically because now she feels like her hair matches what she had going on in her mind. And it is awesome. 
to oh see. Oh my goodness. So I don't know if you hear those stories like directly or like on Facebook or Instagram because she's not the type who's ever going to like send you a picture mm-hmm. of before and after because I couldn't even get the before picture, but you just need to know that Susan <laughs> from New York is feeling moisture love. Now her daughter's stealing hers. So she has to buy more because now her daughter's taking it. Yes. Oh my goodness. See, see what you're doing? Yeah, I'm going to need this clip um, right here. So when you start it right now, I'm going to need this whole clip. Um, run it as testimonial audio. Um, oh, I, I will do that for you. It oh. has changed my girlfriends. I've known this child for, what's, I'm not going to tell you how many years. Whoo, girl, I almost told you how old I was. But I'm just going to say, I have known her for a really long I have known her for more than. 30 years. So that makes my eyeball sweat just a little bit. (laughs) Because our mission is genuinely to help women confidently embrace their beauty. That is our mission. And I tell people all the time that for me, it is not about the shea butter and the cocoa butter concoction that is in this jar, but it is genuinely about what you just said. Women waking up, and feeling different about themselves and showing mm-hmm. up different about themselves because mm-hmm. the emotions related to our hair, we don't, we don't, you know, we don't wake up in the middle of the night thinking like, man, I just need another shea butter concoction. We wake up in the middle of the night thinking like, tomorrow I have to go here. How am I going to look? How will I feel if I look this way? Am I going to put a hair wrap on? Do I need to wear a hat? And that is so deep for black women. Mm-hmm. It is so deep for us. And to hear you say, that transformation, that is what I do this for. You know, that is why I work so hard and I spend the hours. I got all kinds of burn marks on my arms and legs from wasting product and burning product, but that is why. And so that genuinely warms my whole heart. Oh, I am so glad. Well, mama loves to be right. I do love to be right. But in this particular instance, it wasn't that I just wanted to be right about her using the right products. It was that I knew it would change her Mm. and that there are changes that happen to us that we can't unchange. So let's pretend I lost 20 pounds. I could gain the 20 pounds back. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But if I have decided that this particular instance, like I found out that, wow, the fact that I can remember numbers and not people's names, Mm. that's not a weakness. That's a strength. I'm forever different Mm -hmm. from knowing that about myself right? Mm -hmm. So there's some things that are temporary and then there's some things that are forever. And I love what your product does because it's that forever change. Mm -hmm. She'll always feel differently about how she can show up in the world. Always. She'll always feel differently confident about how her hair belongs to her. Because you're right, for Black women, for so long, our hair wasn't seen as attractive or good enough, or it was seen as too much right? Everybody has their own different gremlins. My gremlin is the too much gremlin. Oh, my hair is too much because it grows long and wild and crazy, right? Mm -hmm. And it's very different than the hair of the other women in my family. I remember once my sister and I both went to the hair, same hairdresser when we first moved to a new state. And the hairdresser said to me, yes, I should have cut her, but I didn't because I love the Lord. She said to me, do your sister and you have the same dad? I I was like, I was like, wait, what did you say? You tried. She's like, your hair is so different. I looked at my sister and she's like, mom's going to come up in here next week. I was like, okay, fine. I'm not going to show out. 
Because yes, ask me if we had the same father because our hair was so different, right? But even with that being the case, I am still confident in my hair in a way that I wasn't before. That's why I'm not like pressed to chop it off. Or like right now when I can't do a lot with it because I have carpal tunnel. On the days when I do have to do something and I throw that sealed with a kiss up in there, mm. you can't tell me anything. Can't no, I did, I did read your newsletter. <laughs> I read your email the other day that told me to stop wetting it every day. I was like, oh, for real? One of my friends told me to put a little water on it every day. So, no. you know, I forwarded your email to her and she's like, thank you, love. I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just trying to have a little hair ministry, but for us, hair is important. So the right products, the knowledge of how to take care of them, it really is brilliant. And I think I'm grateful that you decided that you wanted to leave behind the industrial and systems engineering and instead do something that would actually feed people's hair because it is that yummy. Yeah. So one of the things that I was really excited to hear about was that for every Wait, is tell me about your Moisture Loves Give product, right? So for every product sold, you give a product to an organization that supports young girls. Tell us about that. Yeah. So I realized that with our mission being to help women confidently embrace their beauty, um, that starts as a child. Um, I have a nine-year-old and I feel like I was telling my husband last night, you know, every conversation I have with her, everything I have with her. And especially if it's negative or, I'm, or she's aggravating me, I'm like, oh man, is that going to be the thing she remembers when she's 35 or is that going to be the thing? So I'm trying to be very careful about how I give her constructive feedback so that it's not the thing that she feels some kind of way about her, her body, her beauty, her identity growing up. Um, but I feel like this age between eight and 14 is where so much happens around your beauty. And if we can have confident girls, then we can have confident women. Okay, so, so that's brilliant. Yeah. And so right now, and I realize, especially when I look at my story, um, it's not so much about people around you telling you how beautiful you are. You got to know what to feel it for yourself. Cause that was my challenge. I had all the people in the world telling me, um, but I didn't know what to feel it for myself for whatever reasons I chose to adopt. And so with more love gives, we are um, looking for organizations to partner with that support young girls. And that's their entire mission, specifically Black girls, Hispanic and Latin girls too, but more so Black girls. Um, and what we are doing is sponsoring their events and providing products for their events, even if it's just in a goodie bag and we could come and speak and talk about hair, that's even better so that we can help them embrace their version of their beauty as early as possible. So we plan on doing, um, what month are we in? We're in July. We're it's August, on, sweetie. It's August. Oh, see, help me out. Help me out. <laughs> um, I don't even know. It's August. Know. Um, so we plan on doing, um, we've been giving to organizations along the way, but we plan on doing a really big campaign around it. Um, Q4 and into Q1 of next year. Okay. Well, I love that because one of my listeners actually reached out um, through Apple Podcasts and left a really amazing review. I'm having a complete spaz on her name right now. It's going to come to me in a moment. Mm -hmm. But she asked me to talk about some specific topics, which I love because I'm happy to do that. But one of the things she said was, how do we raise confident young girls? And I was like, 
I don't have any girls and I wouldn't insult all the mothers by faking it. So that was one of the other reasons that I really wanted to talk to you because I thought you'd have some great tips from mothers on how you raise confidence girl, confident girls. So one of the things I just heard you say was that you're careful how you provide constructive instruction, right? So that what you're doing isn't damaging to her later. So can you tell us a little bit more about how you think, well, how are you living out raising a confident young girl so that she can grow to be a confident woman? Yeah. Um, I, I watch one of the things that I do because to be honest, you know, we grew up very blunt. My mom said what she wanted to say. Um, I naturally have always kind of said what I want to say and just kind of throw it out there. Um, and so if I say something, I feel very connected to my children, no matter how busy I am, no matter how tired I am, no matter what is going on, the house might not get clean, food may not get cooked, clothes might not get washed. But if I can feel something going on with them, either health wise or emotional wise, I always feel it. And I'm always able to stop and tap in. And so what I do notice sometimes I might throw something out there and I can feel it land on her. So then even if in that moment, I don't have the opportunity to coach it, I'll come back later and say, ask her how she felt about it and kind of talk to her about it, like what it meant, why I said it, what my intention was um, to help her process it. Um, Because I don't want her, you know, holding on to it and being like, well, my mama said, because I know she's very much connected to me and what I say and what I do. Um, She's nine. She was diagnosed with high blood pressure at five. Um, we could, we did every test imaginable to find out why. And all the doctors could say is that it's essential high blood pressure. It's just family history, blah, 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 blah. Her BMI is too high. She needs to lose weight. If she loses weight, her blood pressure will go down. And so, you know, my husband would say, so we had to like no pizzas, no hot dogs, no salty chips. Like we had to completely change her diet. And she would feel devastated as a child that she couldn't have the hot dogs at the party or the chips, which I don't even feed them hot dogs, but they get it from the grandmas and wherever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she would feel devastated about it. And so I would be like, well, Zariah, for your health. We just have to make you feel better, blah, blah, blah. Then my husband, no shade, but he will say, well, baby, you lose weight. Then, you know, your blood pressure will go down. You'll be able to eat it. And he didn't understand how it was landing. And I'd be like, listen, we can't pitch it at all in the weight category. Although we know that to be a fact, it's just that women, specifically black women, we carry stuff around that weight. And we can't have her at six o'clock being told, I mean, at six years old, being told to lose weight. So Mm. we're very careful. And when we do say something, I try to unpack it and, and, and discuss it with her. Um, to make sure she's not feeling some kind of way. And then the other thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to get them therapy, right? I just started with a new therapist last week. I feel like it's important for us to um, destigmatize therapy. When families and other cultures have therap- therapists on speed dial, they have a family therapist and a family psychologist that everybody goes to see. Um, and I feel like Black people um, need to get comfortable with that. Um, and it's okay for children to start play therapy so they can unpack whatever it is that they're dealing with. Cause like you said, we all have our gremlins and those gremlins start at different points of our life. And we joke about, you know, me and my siblings, I'm the oldest of four, you know, we sit around and we have the conversations talking about our childhood. And you remember when mama did that? And you remember when daddy did that? And, da, 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 da. 
And so my husband and I joke about, well, what do you think is going to be that our kids are going to say about this period of time or that period of time? And we don't know. We're doing the best that we can. But I feel like if I become a higher version of myself, then I can parent her at a higher version of herself at this age. And then whatever she whatever bags she has collected up until nine, we can go ahead and process these at nine versus her processing her nine-year-old bags at 39. Um, So that's just my thought process. That was so good. You should bottle that up. (laughs) (laughs) That was so good. So it's interesting. I talked with um, a friend of mine who happens to be a licensed therapist and working on his PhD and he's a, anti-racism counselor and all these other things, but he was talking about how we needed to destigmatize meditation and like bring meditation to the community. And I'm like, anything that's related to mental health. Yes. So um, I love that. So tips for helping to raise confident girls stayed connected to them. When you see something, stop and tap in and then don't be afraid to introduce them to therapy. Yeah. Tell me if there are things that you do or conversations that you have for when they go out in the world. And it's weird to say that now, right? Because we're not going out in the world. But one of the things I thought about as far as raising children in my childless way was there can be all sorts of things that we can put together in our home, but we can't control what happens when they're out of the home. So are there any other tips or things that you're doing? And I understand that your baby is nine, but are there other things that you are doing to equip her to be confident in other situations? Yeah. um, So I'm the type of mom who's very clear on the fact that I may not always be here. You know, my days, all of our days are numbered, but I don't know when my last day is. Um, And so I hope that every day that I'm training them with some kind of tool that if for whatever reason I'm gone sooner than later, um, that they will have this tool that they can use. It's kind of like I parent from the perspective of teach them how to fish versus feeding them fish. My kids have been dressing themselves since like two. At this point, they can completely clean a house and cook a meal all by themselves. Um, And so when it comes to dealing with people in the world... I have been teaching them how to process through those moments when something hits you or you feel some kind of way. So I tell them one, stop and and take three or four deep breaths. Um, Two, say a prayer to yourself because you know who you are and then just know who you are. If somebody says something about you that's uh, absolutely untrue or if somebody's trying to convince you to do something that you know is not right, you know who you are and stay grounded in that. And this is what I think of you. I think you're this. I think you're that. Da, 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 da. Um, I also tell them, a friend introduced me to an article years ago that I never forgot about, about telling children that they're smart all the time. And she was saying they did some kind of like double blind study with children who were told that they were smart versus children who were told that they were thinkers. And the study was talking about how if you tell kids they're smart all the time, they're never going to want to challenge themselves. But if you tell them that they're they're strategic thinkers, that whenever they're faced with a situation, they'll know that they can think through it. And so that's one of the things that I always tell them is that not only are you smart and beautiful, but you are a strategic thinker. And there is no problem that you cannot solve or you cannot figure out. Um, so I'm just laying that seed in their head consistently So that hopefully that the moment that they need it, well, my mama told me I can figure anything out. So whatever it is I'm dealing with right now, and she's not here, I can figure it out. That's good. 
Mm-hmm. It's interesting because I remember when I was growing up, I had an aunt um, who would never tell us how cute we were mm. because that was the thing, right? You would always tell little girls they were cute. And my mom would tell me stories about how her father would like talk to she and her other siblings and be like, oh, go in the bathroom and don't come out until you're cuter, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So that was like a trigger for my mom. You don't you're like, mm-hmm. I don't even know how to say that without like going into a whole other podcast, <laughs> but that's a whole other different movie. Right. But um, she would always tell me that I was smart. And I remember thinking at the time, well, that's not good. Right. Mm-hmm. They told my little sister, she was cute and I'm smart. I don't want to be smart. I want to be cute. But then one day my aunt said to me, no, being smart is better. Cause cute doesn't last. Oh. And I was like, Oh, wait, what? <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Keep telling me I'm smart. That'll work. But I love the, it, she didn't have this, but if she had told me I was a strategic thinker, that would have been even better. Hmm. Hmm. Well, because I like that, right? Because what you said was you can handle anything. Mm -hmm. You're a strategic thinker. You can figure it out. That is a very powerful message to plant at nine or at six or at 16 or at 30, that's a very powerful seed to plant in someone that they can figure it out. It's like one of the joys of being a coach. I don't have to have all the answers and I don't, (laughs) right? But what I'm really adept at is helping you find your answers because you usually know your answers as well, Yeah. right? You usually know your answers, but you need somebody to help you find out where they are and then what you want to do with them. So I love the, you're a strategic thinker, but yes, telling me I was smart versus cute. I wasn't feeling that until she's like, yeah, cute doesn't last, but smarts forever. Mm, That's good. "Mm -hmm, Smarts forever. All right, Aunt Marion. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) tell me now, looking back, if you had to give some advice to 17 year old Janelle, what would that advice be? Oh, I got stuck on that question. Um, oh, we don't want stuck. Talk to me about that. Why are you stuck? I don't know, because I'm trying to remember what I needed at 17. Um, I do know I miss like 17 to a good 25 year old body. But I know that I don't want 17 to 25 year olds mine. Um, but I am I was trying to remember what did she need? What was she she challenged with? Um, and so as we talk it out, as we unpack it, what I realized was, and I'm still unpacking this. I just had a conversation a couple of weeks ago. What I realized was I've always been different. Um, I never quote unquote fit into the, the same old, same old crowd. And I, I struggled with that. So I always wanted to be my authentic self. Like I never really knew, you know how you have some people that can be one person in this group and another person in that group and just turn it on Mm -hmm. and on the light switch. I never knew how to do that. I think that's why I wasn't, you know, very long lasting in corporate America because I just struggled with that whole piece. But at 17, if I had had the confidence enough to know that it's okay to be a hundred percent who you are without worrying about the judgments of other people, I would have made some different decisions. Um, and I would have propelled even further. So I guess in a sentence, what I would tell is, Hey, Janelle, girl, (laughs) you got this completely as who you are. And that is okay. That is okay. 
That was so awesome because I loved how. Did you hear how your voice changed? Everything shifted. Hey, Janelle, girl, let me talk to you for a minute. <laughs> there was so much love and care and empathy in how you talked to 17 year old you. That was fantastic to see. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when you were talking about how you were stuck on that, I was like, really? Why? But the reason why was fascinating because you tried to think of what you needed in that moment, mm -hmm. which is brilliant. I don't often find people get stuck with uh, what they would tell a 17 year old them, but it's because they're thinking of what I want right now. Mm -hmm. So the way you approached that was way deeper. Hey, what did 17 year old me need? Even if she didn't know she needed it at the time. Mm. So that was awesome. Well, I thank you so much for stopping by and playing with me today. I thoroughly enjoyed every moment. I know too. that my audience is going to be like, oh my gosh, where can we get some more <laughs> Janelle? So if they want more Janelle, where should they go get it? Where do you want them to meet you? So the best place for them to meet me is... Um, well, moisturelove.com is where you can meet the product. Um, okay. The best place to meet me is on Facebook. Um, follow Moisture Love on Facebook and request to join the Moisture Mavens Facebook group. So M-A-V-E-N-S. And every Monday I do a Monday morning motivation where whatever it is that I'm learning through for the week, I share with you all. Um, and that happens live on my Facebook page. And it also streams into my Moisture Mavens Facebook group. And then if you join our Moisture Love email list, you'll also get that email on Mondays to remind you. Um, and you can join our email list at moisturelove.com. And you'll get some pop-up offers to join or scroll down to the bottom. And the emails are everything because it's not always about hair. There are a couple that have made me sit up straight in my chair because I was just having, you know, a regular surface type morning. And then your email landed and I was like, oh, wait, this is what we're doing today. Okay. Oh, let me pay attention. Let me grab a piece of paper because you talk about other things about how we show up in the world and you talk about, you know, it's not always fake and pretty. It is very authentic. That's a great word for describing how it is that you are. Um, thank you. Your email list. So yeah, I appreciate that as well. And if they want to find out more about Moisture Love Gives, will that also be on moisturelove.com? It is. It is awesome. 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 Well, thank you so much for being here. I appreciated everything about it and we will see you on Facebook. All right. Thank you so much, Allegra. I have enjoyed my time and feel so honored to have been um, able to have this conversation with you today. Hey, thanks for joining us for this episode of the Your Confident Self Podcast. I hope you enjoyed learning from Janelle as much as I did. If you want the show notes, you can get them at AllegraSinclair.com slash 079. That's AllegraSinclair.com slash 079 for the show notes and links to all the resources that we mentioned in this episode. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you next time.